focused on the freedom that comes from being able to talk about death. I'm Lori Burkhart Frank. Our topic tonight is eulogies. At some point in our lives, we may be asked to give a eulogy, or we may want to choose to influence who will someday give a eulogy at our time of passing. My guest tonight is Ann King. Anne found that she has a talent for writing and giving eulogies for others. Anne is a longtime award-winning Toastmaster. She has given eulogies for people close to her and people she only got to know through their loved ones after they passed. Welcome, Anne. Welcome, Lori. Thanks for having me. Well, it's so good to have you here. And you have given multiple eulogies. So what was your first experience preparing a eulogy and facing the death of someone that was close to you? Well, in late 2009, I actually had six people that I was close to who passed within three months. It was pretty overwhelming, and one of the first people who passed, his wife asked, she was overwhelmed, and asked me if I would help put together the memorial and speak to that in the eulogy, and I learned a lot at that time. I was not only putting together what I was going to say, but also organizing the entire memorial for, there were close to 200 people there. So that, in five days. <laughs> oh my, in five, yeah, in five because days. that's right. And you know, all these things happen yeah. very fast. Yeah, and a lot of times when people pass, the loved ones want closure right away. And we know of many that someone will pass and they'll, it's down the road that we'll have the memorial, especially during the COVID times. But at this point, it was fortunate that I knew my friend. And I, this was a, my go-to guy. In, and it was very tough to, to lose him. And yet it was really wonderful to be putting that together and then to to speak. And so while I was putting everything together, I'm thinking of the stories and memories over the previous 20 years that I'd known him. So that was your first time where you actually delivered, wrote and delivered a eulogy. Yes. Uh Um, What did you learn from that experience? I learned that it's really great to keep it personal, to keep it, to be personable as you're speaking. Often, in earlier on in my life, and many of us have had this experience where we go to a service for for someone who's passed, and it's just a chronology of their life, or they're re-giving their um, the obituary. I actually had that experience with a friend of mine six months prior to to this uh, death I was just telling you about, and I I went and the deliverer just literally read the obit and she went by the name of Kathy and he kept saying Kathleen Kathleen and I was looking around I was just infuriated because it seemed like this person hadn't spent any time getting to know so being a toastmaster and when they opened it up I just stood up and it just came out uh, pretty fluidly people thanked me because I I personalized it, and who was this person? And I guess that was actually probably my first kind of non-official eulogy. Right, <laughs> that, that gave you that opportunity to, to actually, I guess, plant the seed. Yes, 
Yeah. Yeah. And so you've done this more more than once. Um, so what has resonated with you and, and drew you to more opportunities to give eulogies? Well, it's an unlikely, uh, unlikely thing to do, I suppose, because I... As a Toastmaster, my emphasis often is humor, and people know me, and I've done a lot of humorous roasts at parties. I've loved roasting people, and that's really a lot of fun. <clears throat> and in eulogies, what has resonated is that when, if we're going to spend the time sharing about someone, and you have the family and loved ones there and, and friends, you you want to make that person be alive in their memories and, and the, when they think of this person. And so I, and I also found that there were a lot of people who aren't involved with the church or they're not involved with any large group, and they don't have anyone except maybe some, you know, minister, some minister, that sounds <laughs> demeaning. No, someone they don't know at all and who never knew. And so it, it's, it feels like something that I, I'm called to do, I suppose. It does seem like you were called to do. Um, now, do you have, we're talking about eulogies, and, mm -hmm. and I'm thinking that probably all of the listeners have been to a service and heard a eulogy, but what would you define a eulogy to be? Well, in uh, the Greek, came up with the term eulogy, it means to praise, and often we'll see at a eulogy nothing but praise and honor. And I like to have as much of a full expression of who this person was when, when I speak. And I know that the brain, all of us connect to stories. We, we live, remember more when we hear stories. So I like to have, bring the story of this person to life. So I, I think of the eulogy as a short story of someone's life. I think that's a great way to, to think of it. And it it's kind of takes a little pressure off of um, thinking we have to share absolutely everything about this person. Yeah, yeah. What kind of information do you think should be included in a, in a eulogy? Well, as I said, stories. I have in, I interview the family and loved ones. Tell me, and I have a whole list of questions that I go over with them. So I find out just interesting things. What made them laugh? What what made them angry? What you know, all the different aspects of of being human. And okay. what are so how many questions would you think you ask? Five, ten? Oh no, 20? I I have a whole list. It depends on who I'm interviewing and how they're doing. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, people are in a state of overwhelm, so you don't want to add to their overwhelm. And it's it's more of a encouraging them to to draw out what what they remember and if you can get them on a tangent to think of something humorous that's really fun i also try to find something that might be surprising to the people that might be listening something an adventure or something that they might not have known that they did as a child or they did as a young adult some some crazy thing that isn't too um off the wall to <laughs> share with people yeah, so I think it, 
adding a little bit of a surprise and also a touch of humor. Not laugh out loud, but just it warms your heart when you... That, I like that. Warm, warm your heart, maybe a, a smile on our faces. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, well, do you have an idea of how long you think a, a, a good eulogy is? How, it, how long to speak or how many words do you write? Right. Some have a, a set, it's this time or this amount, amount of words. It depends upon what else is going on. If one of the first services that I did, it was a graveside service at Hooper and Weaver. And when I met with the family, I said, so we have music. And they said, no, no music. I said, okay, so we have other speakers. No, no other speakers. I said, nobody else is going to speak. No, it's the graveside service and it's you. (laughs) So I spoke for 15 to 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And drew it out. And I also, to fill, like, I found a poem, a a lovely poem that fit with who this person was. And so that was longer than I would encourage, you know, an average memorial service, 8 to 12 minutes maybe, depending on how many stories. And you don't want to lose people. And, And... People are in their own grief and ways of of dealing with it, so you don't want to overwhelm them with too many words also. Well, that makes sense. Um, What what are some of the basics that you suggest for people who might be in a position of having to prepare a eulogy for someone that's close to them? Yeah. uh, First of all, there's a lot of information online, as we know. (laughs) <laughs> how to give a eulogy. Well, that's, that's a great idea, though, because I don't, yeah. you know, again, when you're in grief, sometimes it's hard to think beyond, um, as you said, we get into overwhelm. So yeah. go, just going online and typing yeah. in eulogy, I guess. Yeah. And also, it it is more difficult if you're the loved one, the, the spouse or the a child of someone, and you've been asked to give the eulogy. It's going to be a little bit m- per- perhaps more challenging for you to to deliver and and get up. But how I see it is uh, my focus is on the deceased person, not myself. As as a trained toastmaster, we're taught to read the audience and to keep the uh, look at the audience, do gestures, do all these different things as, as as a keep your audience engaged. Well, in eulogy you don't do that. At all, it's not about you. It's not about your. It's not a performance. It's. I tend to just keep my eyes down, and everything is with my voice, and I make myself as small as can be, so that they can stay with the words and the stories, and stay within themselves, and they don't look at oh, look at this gal entertaining us or anything like that. Yeah, and that also makes sense because, you know, we're there to honor somebody that we love, and we do want to stay focused on on, on that person. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in terms of somebody who might be listening, thinking that they're in a position where they need to create a, a eulogy, um, do you have, like, a, a, a jumping-off point, um, you know, that you would suggest uh, – like, I'm just thinking uh, in a newspaper article, it's a who, what, when, and where, and why. I mean, is there mm-hmm. is there some basic structure that that you would suggest or just? 
it's been a little bit different each time I've I've done it. I de- I'm not ideally. I often we we do go by chronological, and and depending on the person that you're eulogizing, that might fit. But it also might fit that there's a main theme or story of their life. One fellow that I eulogized last year was a fisherman, and so the fishing theme was throughout the eulogy because that was was gave him such such peace and and happiness so it it depends but you do want a fluid something written that's fluid and well organized and when i deliver a eulogy i do write up word for word and i read word for word which in toastmasters were discouraged from doing all but the time. i i was just <laughs> going to ask you about that so that that is um, an interesting a tip mm-hmm. to that you actually do write it out and you do read it, and so what? What are some of the benefits that you think of for doing it that way? Uh, I write in large font, so I have several pages, and I have a binder keep it, everything in track, and it reminds me to focus on the words. I practice what I read, practice pauses. You don't want to rush. You. All the thing, aspects of Toastmasters that I learned, uh, vo- vocal inflection, you want to be able to use, and uh, projecting your voice. And in the organization, after I interview the family members, then I and ask questions, and then I write up everything that I, I wrote, and then I start to organize what comes first, and, and then... I spend time meditating and opening my heart and connecting with the deceased. Is this okay? Is, how does this feel? Because a lot of times the family members that I've met with, they, they don't want to hear it first. They don't want to see a copy. They just, they, they have enough going on. Mm-hmm. And so I find it strangely comforting to connect with with the deceased as best as possible. So you actually practice it and read it out loud Mm -hmm. ahead of time? Oh, yeah. And I might reorganize or rewrite or interject something that I hadn't. And it's probably good when you do that to kind of get a sense of how long it's going to take. Yes, yeah. And it often is might take uh, less time if you're going too quickly. Or Mm -hmm. if, if, like in one, I had a group, burst out laughing because of a humorous bit I did, pretty hard laughing. And so that took 10 to 15 seconds before you speak again. So So that people could just remember the funny things about their loved ones. Well, you're listening to Embracing the Journey on KVMR. I'm Lori Burkhart Frank, and my guest tonight is Ann King with some tips on what makes a memorable eulogy. So, Ann, as we were saying, you, you have in your life been in a position to give many eulogies um, and it was it's not your profession it, it, it's just something that um, you, uh, um, it's it's a gift but uh, I guess what, what we were saying earlier um, a calling calling a yeah. calling mm-hmm. um, and when you're coming up with um, a eulogy do you consider the tone of the eulogy such as you know, should it be serious, religious? And you, you have mentioned humor. Mm-hmm. So how do, you, how do you think about the tone? Again, it depends on who you're eulogizing and the family. 
on the one of the gravesite eulogies that I did, it was it was very somber, and the when the spouse was in in deep grief, and so I pay, I went slow and paced myself. That taught me a lot to to honor this person. A lot of people have chosen me because they aren't religious and they don't want necessarily even a prayer or or anything like that. But I feel that the prayer is there in spirit and I I myself say a prayer before just connecting with with the deceased and at the gathering I feel it's important. Well, and we haven't discussed this uh, ahead of time at all but um I, I know that some of the folks you said eulogies for you have known well. Mm-hmm. Um, has anyone asked you ahead of time to give you give their eulogy? <laughs> oh gosh, about twelve years ago, I, I gave a eulogy for a girlfriend, and I had four or five people say, "Anne, when I die, I want you to give my eulogy." Of course, I haven't heard from them since. They haven't followed up, but maybe maybe I'll get a card from the family or a phone call oh she's gone now it's your turn to give her a eulogy <laughs> well and, and I think that you know the the spirit of the show is that it, the freedom to talk about death and the freedom to yeah. make our own plans you know so yeah. um, certainly I think we can influence what we want to be remembered for mm-hmm. um, who can deliver a eulogy does it have to be a family member or a clergy member or a close friend unless you're involved with a specific religion that requires that. There's no licensing for it. It's not like a wedding. You need to have a licensed minister to give it, to marry people. But with death, it's just whoever you feel comfortable with and would feel like would ju- do a, a good service to your loved one. And yes, and I'm sure that is the case in terms of sometimes it's just... Um, People who are grieving, it's just too raw yeah. um, and too emotional to do that yeah. themselves. Yeah. Um, and when you are the person giving the eulogy, do you introduce, who should introduce the person giving the eulogy um, and the relationship they have to the loved one? Is that something that you do yourself and, and or do you have somebody introduce your relationship to that person? Yeah, it depends. I've... I've actually, I don't know if directing is the right word, but I have coordinated many memorials where I'm kind of the MC. And I, I do my best of introducing others that if they're going to come and speak and give them a time frame. And if I'm going to speak, it's so far, almost every eulogy I've given, I've introduced myself. They haven't. We haven't had any other people to introduce me, but I think having some something in writing in case there is someone to just say a little about yourself or why you're you're here is yeah because important. again you know most of us are not in a uh, situation like you are where you've actually um, been in a situation to give many eulogies most most of the time people e- either they'll go their whole life without doing a eulogy, or it would be very rare for them to do that. So mm-hmm. these are tips that they can think about is if yeah. you are in a position uh, and you're listening out there right now, that to ha- it is nice to have somebody introduce you, but if not, you could introduce yourself. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, without sharing anything that, um, you know, is, is specific to anybody in particular or, uh, you know, we, we want to honor the folks that you have uh, given eulogies for, but can you share some general experiences or, I mean, is there is there anything that's common about the services or is mm. each one so unique? I think each one is unique. And everyone grieves differently also. And it depends on, well, it doesn't depend. I was going to say it depends if the person had been sickly for a long time. But even then, even then, the finality of death is, is very, can be very shocking, upsetting for most people, especially the loved ones. So... I forgot the question. Well, just is there, if there's <laughs> anything that you can share about... Um, the, some of the eulogies that you've done or, or some of oh. the things that you've seen, some yeah. of the themes or... Yeah, they're... Again, I, I, each person is unique, but I, I can share... We, we, you and I share a dear friend who was longtime Toastmasters and Toastmaster. And when he passed at 102 years old, I was told to, that I was giving the eulogy and organizing the memorial. And there were. Did he tell you that ahead of time? No, <laughs> no. It, and and two years prior, I had organized a huge party at the Miners Foundry for his hundredth birthday. So I was asked him. I said, "Now I don't have to do your memorial, do I?" And he said, "No, I had a living memorial. I don't need a memorial." Well, there it was in writing, and I will have a memorial. Oh, so he did plan for it. He just never he is a men- he mentioned it. Okay. So I was. I had spent so much time with him and thinking about him, and this was a beautiful experience in that I was in his—I was the executor, so I was in his house clearing things out, and what am I going to say? What am I going to say? So I find this binder, and it had his journal writing, and there he had a list of things—all what I know about myself and what is important to me and all this stuff. So I use that as the eulogy. So I shared his words to everyone. And today I just went to a memorial, and the speaker, the brother, did that same thing, spoke other words, uh, everyone else's words, and shared it. But in this case, I could share with everyone his own words. So he gave his own eulogy in a uh, sense. I think he would have been very <laughs> happy since I think I know who you're talking about yeah. with that. Yeah, that, so that, that is interesting. And, and again, I mean, part of the reason we talk about these things on the show is because we can do that. We can make these plans ahead of time if that's mm-hmm. important to us. You know, yeah. Again, everybody is, is so unique and, mm-hmm. and so different. Yeah, everything has everything. The, the world has changed from, at least here in California, and we've... We're more personable, we're more relaxed in a lot of ways, and we don't have these structured ways, manners in which we have to do something or something's expected. And I think having a little bit of surprise or unexpected is can be, depending on who you're eulogizing, can be a, a little bit of a delight. I, I agree with that. Um, so... Why do you continue to do this? Why do you continue to give eulogies? And even for those people that you don't know know well? Well, again, a lot of people aren't affiliated anywhere and don't really have a sense of of, um, any spiritual, religious connection. 
And in talking to the local mortuaries, they haven't had a layperson as to to do the memorial services or grave-sized burials. And so having myself available, it feels, like you said, a, a calling. It feels like I, it, it is an unusual thing, I suppose, but it, it's um, wonderfully satisfying, and not for myself, but just hoping that I, I get it right. And I've had several people say, you knew her so well, and people that I, someone I didn't know. Because if you interview, have the right questions and put it together, then it does sound like this is an old friend of yours. When well, does it feel like that person was an old friend? Mm -hmm. I mean, you never got to meet the person mm -hmm. on some of these eulogies. Yeah. Do you have that feeling like you know that person? Yeah. Again, because I, I spend time, I've gotten to know them through the loved ones, through the interview process, and then I just spend time just quietly visualizing this person and visualizing connecting and seeing them. And uh, it it... It's a pretty wonderful experience. Would you say that it, it's more um, emotionally challenging when you know someone well? Yes, I suppose. I suppose, yeah. And well, actually, yes, absolutely. Unless you have stage fright, but then ideally you aren't giving someone's eulogy well, if you're not comfortable speaking. I, you know, actually, I think that's that's a good point because mm -hmm. I introduced you as a Toastmaster. This is mm -hmm. something you do for fun. You speak in front of people, which <laughs> terrifies many, many people who are listening right now. Yeah. So, do, I mean, I think what, what I'm hearing you say is people don't have to put themselves in the position of speaking in front of the group, especially when they're dealing with gr grief. Correct. Um, yeah. That yeah. that... that that their loved one can still be honored and they don't have to be the one speaking because that, that could right. be absolutely terrifying. Right. And at the same time, I think it's kind of important to check with whoever's going to be speaking to make sure they, they have the essence of who they're eulogizing. Well, so what do you think makes a, a eulogy particularly memorable? Again, stories humor, little antidotes of their life, and heart. And I believe really leading with your heart is important. Personalize the story. You don't have... When I give eulogies, I rarely, unless it's a story about someone I knew, don't use I statements, mm -hmm. because again, it's not about me. And just, just trust that... Take your time. Take your time. Then we have a tendency to rush when we're nervous. So take some deep breaths and and uh, just just know that if if you lead with your heart, try to get out of that. That um, is great advice mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. again, we can put a lot of pressure on ourselves during a a time that could be stressful. Yeah. Well, yeah. what do you want listeners to take away from this conversation about eulogies? Hmm. What do I want them to know? <laughs> Gosh, that, again, opening your heart to the experience, to the sharing. It, most of the eulogies I've done are, are with people that I know. It's only in the recent four or five years that I've given some to about, I've given eulogies for people I don't know. 
But the process is the same as far as getting the gist of this person, honoring them. And if they had a curmudgeon side or, or something, you know, an honorary side, you can, you can inter, interweave that. It's what makes us human. Yes, exactly, in a, in a tactful way. And that could be part of the humor, too. Oh, you know how so-and-so did the, you know, and everyone nods and laughs and they get it. And, and you want a shared experience. It, it, this is the last time that most people will, you'll have this many people honoring your loved one. Oh, that, that is good advice. And, and I did also hear you say that if somebody is in this position where they need to put together a eulogy, um, they can, they can you, I mean, you were saying you, you could just Google mm-hmm. um, eulogies and there's some good tips. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot out there. <laughs> well, it's just, it's so interesting, and that you've been able to... Um, Find your calling and make a difference oh. in people's life. I, I thank you for being here and talking to us about eulogies tonight. You're very welcome, Lori. Thank you. I'm Lori Burkhart Frank, and you've been listening to Embracing the Journey with Ann King. We were talking about writing and giving eulogies. You can tune in and listen to Embracing the Journey the fourth Tuesday of each month at 6.30 p.m. We want to thank our engineer, Jeff Wright, and to Jeff Wright for our theme music. Thank you, Ralph Henson, for being our podcaster. <laughs>